It's time for Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Ah, welcome in. Yes, it's a terrific Tuesday, no doubt about it. Terrific because the Tigers start the 103rd season of Memphis College basketball in style. They did it the right way last night. They won by 17 after the first six, seven minutes. It was never really in doubt. It started with a 5 nothing lead, a dunk that got missed. Jaquan Walton was terrific in that game. And uh, then, I'll say this, Jackson State, they're going to win the SWAC. I'll be surprised if they don't. They got a little point guard out of Chicago who's 5'8". He went to Salt Lake City Community College, which I must confess to you I've never heard of. But, man, he is so quick, and he played really well last night. His name is Chase Adams, and Adams ended up with 16 points, three rebounds, and the kid is 5'8", 144 pounds. He had four assists. He was he was really terrific. But the, the Tigers, they had 11 guys that played at least nine minutes. They had five guys in double figures and then two more with eight. I mean, they really shared a 21 assists on 34 field goals made. And again, they're, they're scoring 94 points. The two exhibition games, they were over 100. As Rick Stansbury said, filling in for Penny Hardaway yesterday, if you score a lot, it makes the game a lot easier. And this team can score a lot with a lot of weapons. I'm going to give you a good example. People may not realize, Jonathan Pierre. Here's a guy who's legit 6'10". Now, he played at Nova Southeastern, which is a Division II school. 6'10", right? He hit 44 threes last year. 6'10". Zach Boyd, I'm, I'm going to ask you this weird question. Unless you were listening to me last night on the broadcast, you probably don't know. How many assists do you think a 6'10 guy who can play on the perimeter because he had 44 threes, how many assists did he have last year? Um, I'd say about about three or four assists because I, I know he was probably was one of their main scorers on that Nova Southern team. I think he was like the number three scorer. Yeah, but I'd say about three or four. You'd say three or four assists? Yeah. You're only off by 110. Oh, oh, I thought it said per game. I'm sorry. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. I was, like, I was thinking per game. Oh, no, I no. I apologize. Oh, well, then you're if you if it's four, you're probably pretty close to right on. If they, I forget how many games they played, but he had 114 assists last year. That's incredible for a six ten guy. Whew. I, I'm like, how do you play this guy? Where do you play him? He is such a good passer. That's the thing. I'm, I'm going to look to see. I don't I don't even know how many assists he had last night because he, he only played, what, like nine minutes. Uh, he had two assists in those nine minutes without a turnover. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, I don't know how the Tigers are going to use this guy in a, in a rotation if they go let's say, down to eight guys. Because they're that deep. It's going to be fun. They get their first tests, which will be a test that will be really tough. And that will come on Friday at Missouri. I believe it's an 8 o'clock tip. 
Unfortunately, I will not be there. I will be in Charlotte for a football game. We'll talk a little bit about that later. We've got a busy show. Uh, the basketball season kicked off, right? Yesterday, we're in college basketball mode now. So what does that mean? That means we will hear, and I don't know if you've got his number. We've got to get this because he's coming in a little bit. Uh, in about five minutes or less, Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News, the Hall of Fame writer, will be joining us every Tuesday in this time slot. Jeff Moore, you know he always sort of finishes the NFL week with us. This is the first time, I don't know how many years he's been doing this, between George Lapidus and then me. I don't think, even on vacation, he phones in. Jeff Moore... Not feeling good today, so he is going to miss. Uh, We'll talk some NFL, and we will talk the AAC race. I I was listening to Greg and Eli talk back and forth about the amount of SEC teams that might be available for bowl season and how many might not be available, like Florida. Florida, the odds are now they're not going to make it. I see Jerry Palm like has Florida playing, I can't remember which Big 12 team, in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Florida's not going to make it. they got to play at Missouri. they got to play LSU, and they finish with Florida State. By not beating Arkansas, they probably will not be eligible to be in the bowl. If Memphis were to win out, they got to win out. They could lose in the championship game. To Tulane, but if they were to win out regular season and go ten and two, I I think Memphis has a chance to end up in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Not a for sure thing, but just floating that idea out there that could end up being the case. It was what six years ago when that team that had uh, Brady White and Anthony Miller, I think it was Brady White then, could have been Riley Ferguson. Anthony Miller was the star, got hurt in that game uh, when they made the uh, AutoZone Liberty Bowl. That could happen again, but I, I think Memphis would have to win out for sure. And there has to be um, an unavailability of SEC teams. Uh, before we hook up with Mike DeCourcy, there was an unbelievable performance again last night by Steph Curry. So Steph Curry now has played seven games this year. In those seven games, he has hit 43s, 4-0, 43s in seven games at a 49% field goal percentage. 49% three-point field goal percentage, 43s, seven games. There has not been any game that he hasn't had at least four threes in. So in 2015-16, he made a total of 402 threes. He is on pace to shatter that record. He's 35 now. You would think, you know, at 35... Your legs, especially when you're a three-point shooter, your legs are critical to that shot. Your power comes from your legs if you use the proper technique. And obviously, he uses the proper technique. At 35, this guy's on a pace to shatter 
that record. He's just a joy to watch, that is for sure. It's going to be a joy to talk to the Hall of Famer, Mike DeCourcy, in a second. I got to remind everybody we're sitting in the family leisure studio where the overstock sale continues. What does that mean? It means I got too much stuff. They want to move it out. They want to bring new stuff in, so they give the savings to you by allowing you to choose from select patio sets up to 50% off and play gyms under two grand and an extended sale pricing on all in-stock hot tubs and swim spas. Oh, and by the way, if you're closing your pool, which you should start to think about, 30% off items on, on those things. It's, it's time to take advantage of the overstock sale at Family Leisure. And our title sponsor, it's Genesis of Olive Branch. That is the luxury car with all the newest technology, all the shiny new gadgets you love. And now you come to, to kind of expect on a new car, and you get it in such great fashion. With Genesis, to me, that's the best car going. And there's some special pricing. If you go see Vinnie Gerard right at the corner of Craft Road and Highway 78, that's Lamar in Memphis, and it's the very first exit in Mississippi. Turn left, go see Vinnie Gerard, the crazy Canadian, and ask about the special pricing. On the GV70 and 80, those are the two SUVs that are just unbelievable that come your way at Genesis of Olive Branch. To Indianapolis we go to speak for the first time this year with our Hall of Famer. That is Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News. i got to start with this. Question for you. The DeAndre Williams ruling that he cannot play. So let, let me just give you this quick thought from me. Three things. It's sad because, one, it hurts the kid who cannot make as a pro in a smaller division in Europe, the kind of money you could make in NIL here. It hurts the Memphis team for sure. But most importantly to me, Mike, it hurts the sport. A sport that every sport needs, stars. I'm sure CBS, TNT, all of the national groupings, ESPN, that carry college basketball want to have stars. Here's a guy that could be a star, an all-conference player that averages 20. I know he's older, but there's a charisma about him. He could be a star. That would help market the sport. And they just seem to always shoot themselves in the foot one way or another. Good morning. Nice to have you. There's my rant. What do you think? Yeah, good morning, Dave. I, you know, I still don't quite understand uh, what, you know, what the holdup is, what the complication is for him. I, I don't, I don't know that I ever will fully understand. He played a hundred games. He played four seasons. He played in the era when, if you happened to be a part of a basketball team in the twenty twenty one season, and he most certainly was, then you were granted an extra year to play. And I don't understand really how his extra year was 2023 when he only played three years prior. It doesn't, it, it's very difficult for me to understand what the ruling on him is. You know, I, I guess they're going back before that. And I, I just, I, I, I thought that, that, that there was room for them to grant him some leeway. This is not like the double transfers that, some schools, Cincinnati's complaining about one, West Virginia, a few others out there. Uh, North Carolina football famously uh, was complaining about the uh, holdup on on the uh, transfer waiver for a, a double transfer 
this isn't like that. So I don't really, qu- really, totally understand what the the problem is with the uh, with the Andres eligibility. I, I I don't get it either, and it really would be great for the sport. Obviously, I, I say this from a position where it would be great for Memphis. And I yeah. think it'd be great for the kid too, because you think you got to consider. Oh, yeah. Right, we're supposed to consider the kid. So, in all honesty, and this is good for the sport, in my opinion as well. Guys will stick around longer now because they can literally make more money in NIL than they can playing in the G League or they can playing in a smaller division in Europe, um, even in China to a certain extent, and and so. It's so penal all the way along the line. I I, I just don't get that at all. All right. um, We saw an upset already in college basketball last night. According to your poll, by the way, which I always keep up with in the sporting news, I believe your order uh, preseason was Duke and Purdue, Kansas, UConn, and then Michigan State. Michigan State loses last night to James Madison in overtime. Tom Izzo set that game up because his nephew, his sister's son, Matt Bulkin, is that his name? Um, Sounds right. He he did that as a favor for his nephew, lined up that game, and they beat him. My goodness, we've already got an upset. Yeah, and and it was, it's interesting because the, the Big Ten lost two such games last night. Uh, Rutgers lost on a neutral floor to Princeton. Uh, they played in tr- played the game in Trenton, uh, so they lost to Princeton. And there was the, the immediate, "Oh, look at the Big Ten. And I'm like, "Yeah, well, what other leagues playing those teams? You know, they, like everybody's playing the worst 300 level team they can. And uh, the and Rutgers choosing to play a team that was in the Sweet 16 last year, and and Michigan State was playing a team that's favored to win their league." Uh, that's not, not no excuse for the performances. Uh, Michigan State uh, had three uh, returning starters: uh, Jaden Akins, uh, AJ Hogard, and Malik Hall, who combined for something like five of thirty-six from yeah. the field, something like that. Uh, and what the, the the part about it that uh, was problematic? See, what I always say is the problem isn't the five; the problem is the thirty-six. At a certain point, you don't have it tonight. And they had three guys that didn't have it, and they still were on the floor. And so if you've got five guys out there, like they couldn't have Tyson Walker shoot every shot, although they tried. Eventually, three guys are going to cover Tyson, and somebody else is going to have to shoot it. And when they did, it didn't go in. You know, that happens everywhere. The Grizzlies, the other night, because they're trying to change their offense, shot 54 threes. They never stopped shooting them, even though they shot twenty six percent. I never, I never figured that on out. Um, that that is for certain. So uh, you, you're right. I mean, teams usually will play easy teams to begin with. Memphis did that with Jackson State, although Jackson State is, you know, picked to win the swack. But that's before they play Missouri. And Memphis is in a yes. tough situation where they got to play a great non-conference, and they're doing that right. in order to get any kind of, of seeding. But I do admire teams that will play tough games early because that prepares them for what will come when it really counts in March. You know what, Dave? It's not true. Really? It's not true. And, and, and the, reason, the reason I say that is, like, you got to play some. 
right? You have to play some because otherwise people will just discard you and your schedule and you'll get a much lesser seating than you might uh, otherwise. But if you go too heavy and then you step into a league like the Big 12 or the Big 10 or the SEC this year is going to be great, if you do that, uh, your guys get worn out. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of that. I, still, I saw it happen to the Big 12 last year. Those guys were gasping for air Kansas when they played Arkansas. And Arkansas has had a, had a really talented team and obviously a great coach. But the Kansas guys just had no, they didn't have any legs. They had nothing left. Uh, and it's, I, I, over time, uh, it's a, only a short period of time. And, and I, I believe in this theory, and I've got data, uh, data to prove it. But it's just a small sample size. You only have so many of these really deep leagues that are eight and nine bid uh, NCAA tournament t- leagues. And uh, you see, so, but over that period of time, most of their teams underperform relative to seed in the NCAA. We've had a couple of champions. The uh, UConn in 11 came out of one of those, and Carolina, uh, Carolina in 17. But over, you know, overall, the data says that those teams underperform in March. Interesting. I go back to the, you know, really Denny Crum at Louisville, who always used to say, yeah. "Play this thing tough in in November, so that you're prepared and you've played in hard competition, pressure pack games." Maybe if you're in leagues that are super leagues, like you're mentioning, um, you can get physically fatigued. Uh, that that's or even mentally fatigued with so many yeah. of those pressure games uh that that is interesting i know in the case of memphis they've got to do that in order to have yeah. any kind of uh, of chance because it it seems to me and you correct me if i'm wrong on this particular statement but it seems to me that um what you're doing lately or the competition you've played lately and in the case of memphis a weakened aac uh is is not helpful yeah, I mean, it, it, if you dominate that league, and the Tigers haven't quite gotten all the way to that, and partly oh, because no. Houston's no. been so good uh, under Penny, they haven't quite gotten to that. They may this year now that Houston's evacuated, although Florida Atlantic's going to have a lot to say about that. But they they haven't quite gotten to that. So, uh, in order to uh, in order to be viewed as uh, a high seed or a uh, if at the other end of the scale and at large entrance, uh, you have to go out and beat good teams in the non-conference. I, I think I think they played Auburn and beat Auburn last year, if I remember correctly, and that was a good win for them, and and that helped them uh, get seated in the middle of the field. That was in uh, Atlanta, yeah, Neutral. yeah. So there, there. That, that's I think for a, a program like Memphis, and they, programs like Memphis are pretty rare. I mean, it's them and Gonzaga and St. Mary's and. Now, FAU, if they can continue to, to hold what they built last year. Uh, but there are very few programs like that. I mean, a lot of them have gotten usurped into the growing major conferences, like Cincinnati, like Houston, UCF. Uh, now, uh, what you're seeing in the Big 12, uh, the, the, what you're seeing in, the, uh, uh, in various conferences around the country, you're seeing uh, uh, Xavier in past years, and Butler got usurped into the Big East. So the, the, the programs that are kind of going it alone almost in some ways are rare, and it's a delicate balance. But if you put the right guys on the floor and, and coach them right, I mean, Mark Few has shown that you can supersede what your league is, that you can be judged on what you accomplish. But it, 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 you also, 
have the challenge of being really good right at the jump because, like, Gonzaga's got to be really good from November 6th or 7th or 8th or whatever day it is because they're going to start playing all their toughest games immediately. And then they have to maintain that level of competitive edge through the league season, which they're going to get challenged by St. Mary's and maybe a couple of others. But for the most part, especially at home, they're not going to have very many tough games at all. Um, Memphis is at Missouri Friday night. Memphis is not your top 25. If Memphis were to beat Missouri, what would that do for their ranking? Well, I think it'd be significant. I, I expect Missouri to be in the hunt for a tournament bid. They're very largely revamped, but I mean, they kind of have to, especially now more than ever, preseason rankings are largely a guess. I mean, they're an educated guess, but we can't, it's really hard to look at a team because you're not only evaluating uh, what a team has back and how they will adjust to slightly altered roles. You're having to evaluate how someone will go from performing in the Mid-American Conference to performing in the Big Ten or performing in the SEC. Some players make that jump very comfortably and become terrific players. Uh, Some people, some players uh, struggle with that at first and then eventually come on and some immediately play great. Carly Jones at Louisville a few years ago, uh, I think he came from Campbell, was great in November, December, January, and then kind of the more he ran into those... uh, Carolinas and Dukes, the more he struggled. And he he ended up having a fine year, but he wasn't the player in late February and March that he'd been in the heart of the season. So it's it's a really tough deal to judge, but I do think that that it looks like Missouri has enough there, and I really respect Dennis Gates, that I think they'll be good. Uh, But you you have to, one, you have to go beat them and make it seem like they're not, and then two, then turn around and hope they win every game they play for the rest of the year. I I would say, um, you know, Tigers aren't going to have Penny Hardaway there because he's uh, serving out a three-game suspension. He was not at Jackson State. He wasn't in in the FedEx Forum for the Jackson State game. He won't be at Missouri. He won't be for the the next Tiger home game either. Um, But they won't have Connor Vanover, who went to Portsmouth, much like DeAndre Williams did, by the way, um, and Connor Vanover's gotten a three-game suspension. If you don't remember who Connor Vanover is, he's been yeah. all over the place. Seven-five center who can shoot threes. Who Tubby Smith almost got to come to Memphis, what five years ago, six years ago, whatever it is. Yeah, I remember Connor. I think Arkansas was one of his stops, right? He did. He was there. Yeah, and and, and he played for a while for Muss, and then I think ultimately Muss thought uh, that although Connor's a fine player, he doesn't fit what we are now or want to be and then they did very well i think that was the elite eight year uh that connor basically watched uh the rest of their guys uh, succeed and so he, he is a very capable player and again it's it, it, by march this is true everybody wants to look at it and say well we didn't have that guy so we should get a pass by march they they aren't giving you a pass they're not giving you a pass for anything. You had a guy injured or ineligible or whatever, um, you're not getting a pass. or You're not getting any bonus for, for that. And so if Connor comes back after Memphis he and does. plays great, nobody's going back and saying they didn't beat Connor Vanover. That's right. Nobody is. That's right. They're just going to look at it as, as a Missouri W. 
they, what they'll do sometimes is if a, if a team gets a player and he misses 10 games and they struggle in those games, but they're like undefeated in every other game or something, they're not going to punish, like they're not going to put that team as a seven seed and punish the two seed. They're going to they're gonna seed that team as they are. But they're not let, like in 2018, 20, somewhere around there, um, Notre Dame had an All-American level player, Bonzi Colson, who missed almost the entire season. They were really good with him for like 10 games, and then he misses like the next 20, and they're not good at all. And then he comes back, and they're okay. And like they were pretty close to being a tournament team. But no, they didn't get a pass for missing Bonzi Colson all that time. Uh, they they said, look, your record just isn't there, and you're not in. That's so. That's the part that people sometimes get uh, caught up on. If, if they're able to beat them, and then he becomes a significant player in the SEC, and and, and he helps Mizzou uh, have a great year, uh, that'll that'll really help uh, the Tigers. At least the the Memphis version of the Tigers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have in your top four. The ACC with Duke 1, Big 10, Purdue 2, Kansas Big 12, 3, UConn Big East 4. Good balance. Who's the best conference? I think it'll be the Big 12, but I think the contenders will be, if you ask me to rank it now, just based on projection, I'd say Big 12, SEC, Big 10, and then probably Big East. But, uh, I, 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 you know, there's there's some room to, to maneuver there. It, you know, it, it, a great conference is usually uh, it, t- it depends on how the bottom of the conference, uh, how how it develops, what it does, uh, how, how far do you go have to go to reach the bottom of the conference. Uh, last year, the Big Twelve literally had no bad teams, none. Every single team they had was in the hunt in the middle of February. Uh, eventually, Oklahoma faded. Uh, Oklahoma State didn't quite hang on, but. They, they, so they got seven out of ten, which is one of the higher percentages ever. Uh, but th- that they, that league had no bad teams. Th- th- we've seen in football, Cincinnati, UCF, BYU. They've gone into the Big Twelve and they have not succeeded. Uh, they have really struggled uh, at at a, at a high level. They've really struggled. Now, do, will basketball be the same? I well, don't Houston know. will be okay, but uh, I don't yeah, know Houston's about UCF and, and yes. Cincinnati. Yes, and you know, I, if I'm in the Big Twelve right now, I'm not looking for another tough customer. Like if I'm, I don't know, Kansas or Kansas State or somebody, I want those teams to be bad. I don't know. I'm not saying they will be. I don't think they will be, but uh, I I want them to be if I'm them because I got enough tough teams that'll help my seed over here. I need a couple of nights off at home where I can, you know, I I can throw out a C effort. Like coaches will never admit that, but. They they know that their players are going to want a night where they can have a C level effort at home and still win by double digits. Last thing, we got to let you go. Always love chatting with you, Mike. So glad to have you back this year. Uh, and that's off basketball, but you've done a lot of work for the Big Ten Network. What do you think the Big Ten's going to do about Jim Harbaugh and Michigan and? Uh, possible disciplinary action for the alleged sign stealing, which now you've got ads and coaches all saying they've got to do something. Yes, I think that I, I think that there will be punishment coming relatively soon because of the notification. I mean, there's no reason. You, you, it's like uh, I guess the threat of the paddle, like when you're a kid, right? Yeah. Uh, what back when we were kids, they don't right. do that anymore. But like, if you saw the paddle, you like that was that was punishment enough. 
uh, and it was more if you got it. Uh, but uh, in 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 college sports, like if somebody says uh, you you may be penalized, I don't think anybody at Michigan's really sweating until they actually get the email or whatever or a phone call that says whatever the penalty might be. I don't think they're worried about the threat. So the promise uh, or threat or whatever that the Big Ten sent, I think it has to be followed up by something. I suspect that it will probably involve the head coach being suspended for a short period, one to two games. I don't know that I would think that that would address it wholly, although we'll see what other penalties might be attached to it. I I think that one solution, and this was uh, suggested by one of my colleagues at the Sporting News, might be to, to me, I don't think that if you're going to suspend coaches that you should stop at one, that it, it, that it should only be the head coach. I, I think that, that, that other staffers might need to be penalized as well if, and let me put this out there, if there is such a finding that the, these rules were broken. Uh, I'd be you know, I didn't do the reporting on this. I've not seen anything other than others reporting. Um, it, it seems like something happened, and the fact that the coach, the the uh, one staff member resigned last week, suggests even underscores even more so that it probably happened. But until there's a finding, I'm not I'm not uh, asserting guilt upon any part. Wow, everything I read sure does tie a former. Marine intelligence guy with nothing to do with football and was on the sidelines next to Jim Harbaugh uh, makes me pretty hard to not logically think that there was something there. We'll see. Uh, Mike, as always, love having you on. We're just beginning. It's going to be a great basketball year. I'm looking forward to it, Dave. It's always a pleasure to chat with you and, and all my good friends in Memphis. That is Mike DeCourcy, our Hall of Famer from the Sporting News. He's brought to you by Southern Security. That's your home team credit union, and they have been for 70 years, and they just keep getting bigger and better with Dawn Grader. She just broke ground, or they did, on a brand-new building in Collierville. 70 years serving the Mid-South with the best unbeatable rates, low fees, unreal service, and the newest in technology if you're a business owner. They've got you covered. If you're in need of an auto loan, you need better benefits with your credit card. At Southern Security, they can handle all of your business banking needs with the lowest competitive rates on everything. It's the truth. And if you want to find out more, they'll talk to you. You don't have to just go to their website, though you can at southernsecurity.org. But if you want to talk to a team member, 452-7900. It's like joining the family. 901-452-7900. Big sponsors of the Tigers, by the way. Southern Security. That's your home team, Credit Union. Back in a minute, we'll take a little bit of a look. Monday Night Football last night, but more importantly, what are the chances of Memphis and the championship game and the New Year's Day Six Bowl? We'll take a look at all of that when we come back in just a minute. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Welcome back in. This portion of the show brought to you by Conway. Reputable services available seven days a week. If you need plumbing, if you need any kind of electric 
anything that may be a problem, Conway's got the answer. 384-3511, Conway Services, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electric. Um, Last night, how about the way the Chargers stopped the Jets cold? You know, I feel bad for the Jets. They don't have an offense because Aaron Rodgers just, well, he got hurt. What are you going to say? And and they they plugged along. They won those three games. They were four and three coming into this game. They still have a terrific D, but they can't get the offense going. Three fumbles last night. They gave up eight sacks. They were three of seventeen on third down. You're not winning games like that when you can't pick up a first down and when you give away three possessions with fumbles. You're not going to win a game, and they didn't. Yeah, yeah, and it's unfortunate because you know you kind of you kind of you, you know at times Zach Wilson looks like a competent quarterback in certain games. Like when the game plan goes right, yeah, he looks like he's a competent quarterback. But when you're going up against a defense that has pass rushers, guys that can disrupt the trenches, you're going to see yeah. games like that happen for him. I wonder, is he – now, I'm doing a t- Tiger game last night, so I didn't watch the game. And, and I know the Chargers are a decent team. Heck, the Bears made Herbert look like he was – Hall of Famer. Um, and I, I guess he had a pretty good game last night. But um, what would Aaron Rodgers have done last night when that line gave up eight sacks? Now, some of that may be that Zach Wilson doesn't get rid of the ball quick enough. Yeah. You know, and, I, and Rodgers, I think, has a better understanding of that. But, True. So some of that could be on Zach Wilson, but that that was that was tough last night for sure. All right, so the Tigers take on Charlotte this this coming weekend. That'll be I think it's one o'clock Memphis time, two o'clock in Charlotte on Saturday. And uh, this Charlotte team, you know, everybody goes well. They got this character of a coach, Biff Pogi, who you know married a billionaire, had his own hedge fund. He's a smart businessman. But actually, he does have a football background. He is a Jim Harbaugh, Michigan disciple. So the guy has coached before. He coached at Michigan on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, his team has gotten better. They've won two of their last three, and both of those games were on the road. They won at uh, East Carolina 10-7. Now, East Carolina still brings in pretty good crowds, and look what they did. They held Tulane to 13 points last week. That was a 13-10 game that Tulane barely escaped from, and yet Charlotte won their 10-7. Tulsa is another tough place for Memphis to play. They've done poorly in Tulsa. But they beat Tulsa in overtime, 33-26. This team is getting better. And the point was made... Not only have they won two of their last three, but Biff Pogge, we told you he's a good businessman. According to Ryan Silverfield yesterday, Biff Pogge has, um, he's, he's put together a pretty good NIL fund. Now, let's be honest. I mentioned this with basketball and DeAndre Williams, how NIL changes things. The teams that are going to get the players aren't going to be the ones that, oh, we can get you to the NFL. Look at our facilities. The days of coaches recruiting that way, you're going to have the greatest locker room in the world. we got a waterfall in there. You're, you're going to have unbelievable food. 
You, you'll never be cold. Our indoor's incredible. We give you massages, which, by the way, all that stuff is true with the Tigers except for the waterfalls. Um, those days are done because a recruit is not saying anymore. They're all on TV, right? So you're getting TV exposure no matter what happens. Right. Now the, co- now, now the guy is going, how much money's in it for me? And when an SEC backup quarterback is about a half a million, that's the salary, a starting offensive lineman is three, four hundred thousand bucks. You're, you're talking about you got to amass a war chest of money for players. Yeah, that that's that's just the truth. And it's really hard for like these fundraising guys who used to be able to go to givers, to donors, to fans that are boosters and sell them on we're going to make this experience great the kids are going to get an education they're not pros they like that they felt comfortable with that they didn't mind giving that and they got tax breaks on that that's giving to an institution now if you're giving to an nil fund you're literally they're asking people to not only buy your tickets like the pros do but in, unlike the NFL, they're saying, uh, also, we would like you to pay the salaries. And there are a segment of those givers who've always given that are saying, I'm not for this. I'm not giving. But if you don't, you're really cutting off your nose to spite your face because the bottom line now is you got to give for the players because that's what's going to attract them. It's not going to be facilities. It's not going to be exposure. It's not going to be the chance to get into the pros. It's going to be what can you give me now? And that's what they want. Yeah. And also and also this this is something that has been in my head and we and like the Greg and Eli they mentioned this before of how many stadiums, college football stadiums that are sponsored by different like financial groups, financial yeah, companies. like Simmons Bank Liberty yes. Stadium. So that that in itself is like, hmm, like I I'm curious because at that point Typically, you would get the you know the big companies, the big big corporate companies. Well, now just it's like funny it's that you said. That. Just thinking about it, the the stadium that we were at in Denton last week, Dallas Teachers Credit Union. Yeah, that's that's what that is in Houston. It's the Houston something Credit Union. So there there's two teams in Texas right there with stadiums that are credit unions. Here in Memphis, it's a bank. Um. I have no idea because, you know, Charlotte's a big banking town. Yes. I have no idea what what this new Charlotte stadium that we're going to, which I hear is a, uh, a graduated high school kind of thing. But we will see. All right. Last thing here real quick because we, we've got baseball. We're wrapping up baseball with our guy, Tim Doolin. He's coming your way. Final segment. Um, and, and, and I should mention in that Charlotte game, Hennigan, Watson, game to – uh, game day decision or day to day. It's day to day is what Ryan said yesterday. Here's my my uh, my bet, my projection. They're going to be game time decisions because he's not going to let Biff Pogie know if either of those guys are going to play until they hit the field on Saturday. My gut feel, I don't know. I suspect Hennigan. I don't know much about Watson. I suspect. Uh, that kid will go because he's such a gamer. And the Tigers need to score points. We know this. Yeah. E- even though I don't think Charlotte's offense is great, but they got a lot of good players, as I mentioned with that NIL. All right. Tulane, SMU, Texas, San Antonio, all undefeated. Now Memphis can take care of SMU, and that does that. 
they'd have the tie break on them. So that would get them into the championship game. Here's what SMU's got left. They got North Texas, and we know North Texas can score some points. Then they got to come here, and then they've got Navy. So, yeah, Memphis just beats them here. Put SMU out of that. Memphis is, is still in the hunt for the championship game. Tulane's got Tulsa at FAU and Texas San Antonio. Now, in my estimation, as I look at all of this, and I'm thinking of tiebreakers and all this other stuff, I think you want Tulane to beat Texas San Antonio. Otherwise, it can get a little tricky with tiebreaking and everything else. If Tulane takes care of Texas San Antonio, goodbye. They're done. And here's Texas San Antonio. They got Rice. Then they got this USF team. That we know could score points. That kid Brown, and I made a mistake. I was talking to uh, Ryan Silverfield after the game, and I go, "Ooh, you're gonna have to face that kid Byron Brown now for two more years. You know, he's only a sophomore." And you know, he gave kind of a vague answer, and then it <laughs> dawned on me afterwards that kid's going to a power five school, isn't he? I mean, six three, about two ten. He can run. He threw a ball fifty yards. He seems to read because every time Memphis blitzed, he went to that area. I mean, I think that kid is going to make a lot of money with a power five school next year. That we'll we'll have to wait and see on all of that. Uh, and then Tulane's got Tulsa at FAU. They're not going to lose those games. And they got Texas San Antonio. They win that. Memphis beats SMU. And then, of course, they got to take care of Charlotte and at Temple, two road yeah. games. They do that. I think they're in the championship game. They beat Tulane. They have a chance, depending. So here's where it gets a little tricky. Air Force lost to Army. Thank you, Army. They're out of the picture now. Yes. James Madison, I don't think they're getting in no matter what because they're not eligible, and I think they're going to stick to that. And now here's the one thing that I do wonder about. I don't think because Liberty is not in the college football playoff poll at this point. I I don't see him coming because they play in such a poor conference. Liberty is going to go undefeated. I'm telling you, look at their schedule. They're not losing a game. They're going to win their championship game because the two other teams they've they've um, that they would face. I think it's um, oh gosh, I can't remember who they are. They're not any good. They've already beaten them by two touchdowns. So they're not going to lose that game. Uh, yeah, because Liberty is in the in conference. In, in CUSA. It's it's like... Uh, uh, so San- their next three games for Liberty is Old Dominion, Massachusetts, and Utah. Yeah, they're not losing that. But go to the standings real quick. Yeah. And and who are the uh, second and third place teams? Jacksonville the- State and New Mexico right. State. Right. And they've beaten both those teams already by over two touchdowns. They're not losing. So what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to take a two-loss team in Memphis if if they beat Tulane, put them in the championship game over a 13 and 0 Liberty? I think you will, but I don't know for sure. It all gets tricky. Obviously, if Tulane wins out and only has one loss and that's to Ole Miss on the road without their quarterback, they're in. So it's all in, on Tulane. If they keep winning, they're not they're they're going to the Fiesta Bowl. But if Memphis can beat them in the championship game by winning out, and that means that Memphis would be eleven and two, then I think eleven and two over a thirteen and zero Liberty that's beaten nobody. I I think they get in, but you're it 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 does get a little dicey. That is for certain. Just remember, the only two losses from Memphis would then be Tulane ranked and. They avenge it, and Missouri, which is clearly a top-20 team. So we'll have to wait and see. That's the update on that. I uh, will let you know that 
This portion of the show is brought to you by the Eflin Insurance Team. Matt Eflin's group does protection for you sort of a unique way. They get to know you. They collaborate with you. They find out about your family. They find out about what's important to you, what your budget is, and then they protect your home, your car, and life insurance. They figure it all out, and they get so many ways they can go. Same thing with commercial insurance. If you've got a small to mid-sized business, they get to know you by sitting you down, finding out about your product, who your employees are, what's your budget, and then they protect you with the best commercial insurance. All you got to do is call 901-386-4777. That spells out GER because they're huge Tiger supporters. 901-386-GER. Get protected the collaborative way. Go talk to Matt Eflin and the Eflin Insurance Team. We're back in just a minute. We finish baseball with our guy, Tim Doolin. He comes your way in a matter of moments. Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ. Now, back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM, presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Well, this is a sad day. We say goodbye to baseball. We say goodbye to Tim Doolin. He's going to come on in December talking winter baseball meetings. He joins us now. And i got to tell you something, Tim. I, I told my friend Dave Brown, the weatherman, yesterday at the Tigers basketball game, and I, I, I counseled him, and I counseled his wife. I said, it's going to be a tough period now for you guys. This is maybe grief counseling would be needed. Because now that the Chicago Cubs have hired Greg Council as their manager, the Cardinals are doomed forever. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I, I tell you what, he, was, uh, he, he really had where he wanted to go. So, um, well, the Cubs are paying him. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. The, the Cubs are paying, but he was. I mean, he was. He was like a free agent, you know. And they were signed. They were. Everybody was after him. So, what my point being is, I, I do think that uh, he's a smart guy. He was. A, he was a really good player. He's done a great job in Milwaukee. Um, and I think he, he's obviously bought into believing the front office and the ownership group to say they're committed to you know to winning. So I, I you know, I think they're going to be. Definitely in play in the free art, the free agent market this this off season, and there's there's really a, a plevy of arms out there uh, more so than there are a lot of position players. Cody Bellinger is a free agent. I don't think he'll go back to Chicago. You don't now However, that now that they have counsel. I, I don't think so. I mean, it's going to be he's going to he's going to you know he had to take a little bit of a, a haircut uh, because he had a couple of down years, so he's going to go wherever he gets paid. Now, if the, if the Cubs come up with the money. Uh, of course, but he's going. To, he's going to go to the highest bidder, and I don't know that the Cubs are going to be there. I, I think the Cubs got to evaluate and see what their what their really needs are. And again, there's lots of arms out there: Sonny Gray, Blake Snell, uh, Hader. You know, so it, right. it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this free agent market. Obviously, I don't think the Cubs are uh, going to have a shot at Shohei Otani, and it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. I, I suspect that he'll end up on the uh, on the West Coast somewhere, whether it's the Giants, the Dodgers, uh, the, the uh, Angels it, again. 
No, nah, that's definitely not happening. He's going to sign with a club that he feels like he can win a World Series with, and, hmm. and obviously that, that's not happening in, with the Angels. It, it is interesting <clears throat> to me, Council, by the way, a 16-year career involved, involved in the player union, really smart. Uh, the Cubs pay him $40 bucks. That's $8 million a year for five years. You realize Terry Francona, until this, has been the highest-paid manager in, in today's market, at $4.5 million. So the Cubs almost double that. What makes Greg Council, in your mind, worth that kind of money? Well, I mean, I think the fact that he that he played, and he obviously has a great rapport and, and keeps, keeps the clubhouse the way it needs to be. Uh, and I think he's really, really smart. Uh, and so, my, to my point earlier is, if you're going to pay the guy that type of money, He's going to be making decisions. He's not going to be told everything to do. And, and I think we've talked about it on the show several times. I think you're going to see the trend work back toward uh, managers, especially veteran managers like Council, uh, being able to manage the team. It's not a surprise when you look at the the last several years of the World Series, um, and, and you look you look who's on the bench, i.e., the manager and their bench coaches. So there's got to be a blend of analytics. There's got to be a blend of uh, a manager being able to go with his gut because at the end of the day, um, he's the leader. And so if, if the players don't think he's the leader, they think the leader is upstairs somewhere in a press box, you're not going to win. I, I'm just telling you. I, I, uh, I, I totally agree with you. And you look at it, the perfect guy – for the Houston Astros was Dusty Baker, and he got it done. The, the, the Rangers have had talent the last couple of years. they got to bring in a guy who's won world championships other places, Bruce Bochy, and guess what? They win. I mean, it matters. Well, here's what's interesting. You saw it all over the Internet, is that um, people, a lot of prognosticators, a lot of people in the media were talking about it. If, if they went back and actually looked at this. Every interview that was done during the postseason and after, and during the World Series and after the World Series with players on the Rangers club, when, when each player, said player was asked about his performance or how he did or whatever, not one player talked about himself. They talked about the manager. They talked about the, the organization. They talked about other players. So I'm telling you, Bruce Bochy brought that to the leaders of the team, and they said, look, this is how we're going to do this. It's going to be a team effort, right? And and so that's it, it. You pick the sport. Pick the. It doesn't matter if it's amateur, college, professional. When, when you're when you're when you're with those guys as much as they're with them, you have to have chemistry in your clubhouse. That's how you win. And that's what they did. MVP American League. Uh, most people think the three finalists are Corey Seager. Uh, Marcus Seaman, all, all from the same team, the champion Rangers, or Shoei Itani. Who gets it? I, I'd love to see Seager get it, but, you know, it, it's hard to argue uh, with Shohei, even though he was hurt a little while. Uh, I would love to see Corey Seager get it. Simeon I, was remarkable, you know, and he had a really not-so-good year the year before, but uh, I, I'd love to see Seager get I it. I think Seager is going to get it because Shoei, Shoei got hurt. Um and, you know, he won it last year. So I, I think it'll go Seager's way. American League, Ronald Acuna, or your your team, the two guys, Freddie Freeman and your main guy, Mookie Betts. Who gets it? Uh, I think you got to give it to Acuna because he's done things that's never been done in the game before. Um, 
You know, I, I, and I, I could say Mookie, Mookie could have easily had 40 stolen bases as well, and it would have been a better argument, but that's not he, that's not him. He, he's more about I got to do what's best for the team, and him not running and, and sliding all the time, it, it, he's not as durable as he used to be. And so I think Acuna gets it, and he had a remarkable year. Who's the American League Manager of the Year? Got to be Bochy, right? Oh, uh, there's no question, no question. National League, who do you give it to? Oh gosh, I, I would probably, I would probably give it to the Diamondbacks. Um, Lavella, Tori, yeah, Tori Lavella. I played yeah, against I the guy. He, he, he's a stand-up guy, and and kudos to the Diamondbacks for sticking with this guy. Yeah, right. And, you know, a lot of a lot of it doesn't matter if it's a big market, small market. A lot of them would have made it made a change, but they stuck with it. They stuck with their game plan. They built their organization from within, as far as the draft goes, and, and they're playing. You know what we would call really, if you look at that club, it's more. Uh, had had images of the St. Louis Cardinals back in the day. Lots of team speed, great defense, timely hitting, good pitching, uh, and I think Tori Lovello should get that. Other than free agency, biggest story or two going into the winter meetings? Um, I think it'll be. I think that well, free agency is going to be the key. Right. I mean, I, there's I think there's three or four managerial jobs out there that I would imagine are going to get done prior to the winter meetings because. Uh, these managers got to get a staff uh, cons- uh, assembled, and they got to start, you know, uh, looking at what they have potentially as far as trades go, uh, minor league free agent signings, etc. So, um, I-, I think, you know, to argue, you know, the, the fact is, it's going to be all about Shohei Otani and the rest of this free agent yeah. class. What happens? I, I guess, and it's in Nashville. I guess it's who, in Nashville this year. So, oh wow! And I guess who, Yankees manager, Astros manager, those are two of the, the the jobs up for grabs. Now the Brewers is up for grabs. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they fired Boone yet in in, uh, in New York, have they? I think there's a lot of speculation. That's right. Well, there the is a lot of speculation, but a lot of I've heard of speculation the last couple of days. They're not going to and huh. and watch what happens if he does get let go. He's going to be hired really quick. I agree, Tim. Man, it's been great. We'll talk from Nashville during the winter meetings. We appreciate all the work you've done for us over all the years. Thank you so much. All right, Willow. Thank you. That's our baseball guy. That is the one and only Tim Doolin. He's brought to you by Ken. Ken Garland, Custom Home Builders. Ken knows you're making a financial commitment and, and, and really an emotional commitment. You're building a dream home. Maybe you've got land you're not sure how to utilize. He knows. He's got 70 years of knowing. His dad before him and then passed on all that knowledge, and he's been doing it for the last several years. There's been a Ken Garland in charge of building palaces in the Memphis area for 70 years now. 751-1632, that's the number. And uh, it's KenGarland.com. You go to that website so you can see the work that they have done, whether it's renovation with all the modern amenities. I like to call it renovation with innovation or a dream home. Maybe you're looking for land. They got that too. They've got all the insight you could possibly have. And know this, he's going to work closely with you and he will give you what you should expect. Quality construction on time, on budget. That's what they do every time at Ken Garland Custom Home Builders. That'll do it for us. Johnny Radio is next. Big day tomorrow. It'll start with stats. Well, not exactly start that way. But he'll be on, and uh, we've got a cast of characters following that. So stick around. Speaking of characters, Johnny Radio is next. Have a great day, everybody.